Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a teaching series called Core, where we're defining the five values of who we are and what we're most passionate about. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad that you're here in person and those of you that are joining us online. And um, last week, I shared that God has, it seems to be that he's opening a door of ministry for me in our community. And um, one of the things, uh, and, and beyond, and uh, so one of the things I've been doing is doing some more coaching uh, with uh, different businesses. And uh, back in mid-November, I was invited to go up to Wisconsin and work with about 25 senior leaders and managers with Chick-fil-A at a store there. And we spent about six hours, and I was invited just to talk with them to really facilitate a conversation about what does a healthy culture look like. I don't know if you've noticed, but that makes a difference. And so when we talked about that, uh, I was fascinated by this because a number of those people don't, don't necessarily claim to follow the Lord or know the Lord, but I was thinking about the fact that culture matters whether you're a believer or not. The truth is, all of us want to be part of a healthy culture as far as a team, an organization, a school, a nation, a church, a family, a home. All of us long for that. So what I'm going to talk to you today is about how to build a healthy culture, particularly in our church, but it applies to any particular arena that you might travel in. And if you're here today and you're not interested necessarily in God yet, but you're wondering about him, but you're not there yet. I just want to tell you that here's why this message is valuable. All of us, sooner or later, are going to realize that if you don't have certain people skills, you will not win in life. And the truth is, is the better we become at learning how to have relational skills, we will do better. Life will go better for us. It doesn't mean it'll go perfectly. It doesn't mean there won't be trouble, but it'll go better for us. So if you're following along today, here's what I want you to notice. Culture, this is what I told these people there in Wisconsin a few weeks ago. Culture is created by the quality of people's interactions. Culture is created by the quality of people's interactions. Now, I bring all this up today because we're going to actually talk about our fourth value, and it relates to this whole idea of culture. So if you would, if you turn your notes over on the back, if you're using the notes or the other side of the notes, if you print them out at home, here's what I want you to see is that we've talked about how our five values, who we are and what we're most passionate about, because after all, values shape our decisions. Values shape our behavior. What we value, we ultimately get around to doing. So here's our five values, the, the first four, I mean, Jesus-centered, Bible-based, kingdom-minded, and today, relating rightly. Relating rightly. Would you mind reading those words with me about relating rightly there? It's the priority of relating humbly, lovingly, and authentically with all people. Now, let me just tie this together with last week. Last week, we talked about kingdom-minded. Somebody might say, well, Jeff, that seems so like out there. How will I know when the king is getting his way? You will know it by the way you relate to people. One of the ways he changes us is he melts our hearts, he softens our hearts, even against people that used to be our enemies. And he begins to show us how to relate differently. In fact, his church was created to show the world 
how he related first to us and then changes the way we relate to one another. So if you turn back on the other side, here's what I want you to see. Here's this question that I want to try and, and deal with today. Am I more interested in being right or relating rightly? Am I more interested in being right or relating rightly? Where did that come from? Back about 10 years ago, we were walking through uh, the letter to the Colossians. We were studying that week after week here. And I remember one morning when I was getting ready, I was working through a situation where I was frustrated with someone. And I was thinking about how I could just help them see how right I am. And across the ticker of my mind, the Lord impressed this question, Jeff, right now, are you more interested in being right or relating rightly? And that morning I shared that in a service and it began to be something that the more we talked about it, the more people said that that stayed with me. And we saw that really this has been something that God had been working in our church way before that ever occurred across the ticker of my mind that this is what makes a church warm or not so warm. This is what makes a church healthy or not so healthy. This is what makes families warm or not so warm. This is what makes families healthy or not so healthy. You could go on and on. And so here's what I want you to see. For years now, we've been looking at a value something like this. Several years ago, we wrote it like this about right relationships. We value right relationships because God took the costly initiative to make us right with him. And because wrong relationships block his Holy Spirit, we seek to be right with others, build a sense of family, and be a caring community. And so as we've been thinking about this, now, years ago, uh, before I moved back here, uh, this was one of the things Cherry Hills was saying all the time, and it became part of my language, too. Here's another sentence that became part of our church history. Do we have it there? Learning to be the loving and inviting family of God. You know what most people said whenever they saw that sentence? I love that it uses the word learning and not learned. We're learning. And so this is something about relating rightly that is so daily, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and I'm going to talk more about that as the message goes on. But I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And if you're not used to your Bibles, I think it's in the last 30 or 40 pages of your Bible. And again, you're going to find it between Galatians and Philippians if you're getting in that neighborhood. And Ephesians 4 uh, talks about how we can learn how to relate rightly. And it gives us a whole bunch of understanding. And today, what I want to talk to you about is why is it so important? Uh, and when you were a kid, did you often say, why, why, why? 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 Did you do that a lot? I did. And I wanted to know why, because if I knew the why, then I was more willing to do the way. And so I want to talk to you about why it's so important to relate rightly. And then I want to talk to you about some simple basics of relating rightly. Now, let me say this. Before I go into this, there's no way I can talk about such a complex subject in a short period of time like this. But we've taught on this before, so I want to highlight two messages for you that if you're one of those people that says, I like sometimes listening to other messages on our website or on our podcast, here's two dates, okay? The first one uh, is um, Right Relationships, January 18th, 2015. And the second one is show, Showing Proper Respect, 
January 14, 2018. Again, we've taught on this. There's some things on the notes there that go into a lot more of maybe some of the questions you might have. If you go to our website under sermons and media, you can pull down the screen and find that in the archives just by scrolling up. You'll find that. Now, would you be okay if I just prayed? Because I want to I ask the Lord to be present to teach each one of us exactly what we need today. Okay? Now, Lord... I believe you're in this room. I believe you have great authority over us. I believe that you know us better than we know ourselves. And I ask that people in this room today, myself included, that we would sense that you are here to graciously teach us so that we can become the people you want us to become. Show us, Lord, how to have a submitted spirit and open heart, open to what you want to teach us. Help us, God to win with you the way you intended. In your name we pray, amen. So very first thing is, why is it so important to relate rightly? So uh, first thing, if you're following along, is here's why. I'm gonna give you six reasons. One, we've received a calling from Jesus to be his body. We've received a calling from Jesus to be his body. Where do I get that? If you look at the first four verses of Ephesians 4, here's what they say, if you wanna follow along. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, Paul's writing from prison, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort. In fact, I've listed that in the first gray box. Would you read that verse three with me so we can all read it together in one translation? Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Verse four, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were, here's the word again, called to one hope when you were called. And it goes on to say, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, here's what I want to make sure we understand. We happen to be living in a time where individualism is at an all-time high. It's all about me. It's I this, I that. And, it's, and again, the problem with that is in some ways we recovered individuality that needed to be recovered. But we have overshot it. Because if we are only interested in being individuals, we miss the plural, we miss the idea of that God never called us just to be individuals for Jesus. He wants to work in each one of us individually as we work together. But so notice this, you and I, when we, were, when we met Jesus, he called us into a relationship of other people. Um, some of you may have watched the videos on the website this last week, and I think Brian uh, Schorberg talked about this, but this was a fun moment in our lives. Brian's, again, been on staff almost 15 years, and the first year, his, he and I's offices in the office uh, part are not that far apart, and so one day, I hear this huge sigh come out of his office. So I'm so curious, I have to find out what the sigh is about, so I go back and I said, are you, are you okay? And he goes, no one told me that getting into ministry had so much to do with people. <laughs> now, some of you know, Brian's unbelievably gifted at organizational skills. I mean, he has helped us so much. And so he was just stating what so many of us think. Being a Christian means people. It means learning how, and it's complex. And here's the thing. 
He has a dream. Jesus had a dream when he was dying on the cross for a church that he would make his body, his physical body after he ascended into heaven. And 1 Corinthians 12 spends all kinds of time on this saying that you and I can't go around then and say, I don't need you. I don't like you. I don't need you. I don't need you. We can't live like that anymore. Now we got to learn how to relate together and work together. And each one of us doing our part. I just dropped a whole bunch of stuff. So here's what I want you to see. It's a calling. Second reason why is that when we don't relate rightly, we give the devil a foothold. When we don't relate rightly, we give the devil a foothold. Where do I get that? You see verse 27 there? Notice what it says. It says, and do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, uh, when there's anger, when there's bitterness, when there's stuff going on, do you realize what happens? It opens the door for the devil to start influencing a group of people. Uh, Trish and I and my brother, when we were in high school, had a youth group trip that we went out to the mountains of Colorado. And it was the kind of mountain, uh, kind of trip where for 10 days, we were 90 minutes from the nearest helicopter if we got in trouble. We were way back in the mountains. And so we did five days of mountain uh, climbing and five, day, I mean, five days of hiking and five days of rock climbing. I'd never rock climbed before. Maybe you have. But one of the things we learned is that there was all this kind of stuff like belaying and all this kind of stuff. Well, anyway, we would climb up the face of this mountain. And I remember that as I was trying to find places to put my feet, that after a while, all I needed was just a little outcropping. And I could climb the face of that mountain pretty well. And it reminds me when I read this, do not give the devil even a little opening. Don't say, well, that's just a little thing. That relationship isn't worth my time. That situation, oh, I'll just ignore it. Do not give the devil a foothold. He comes to divide, to discourage, to demean, to defame Christ. He hates the Lord. He hates the Lord's body. Notice another reason. Why is it so important to relate rightly? When we don't relate rightly, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you see that in verse 30? It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Come on. Now, when you, the word grieve, someone taught me this years ago, and it's really stayed with me. The word grieve is a love word. You don't grieve over someone you don't care about. So the Holy Spirit cares about us. He loves us. He lives inside of us if we've been born again. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is can you picture the Holy Spirit saying, don't, don't treat that person that way. Don't, don't become careless like that. When you do, it, it hurts me. And who is the Holy Spirit? He's the Holy Spirit of Jesus. And the Bible says we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can put out his fire or smother it. So don't do that. He's saying, relate rightly. Come on. Now notice another reason is that when we don't relate rightly, it blocks our prayers. It blocks our prayers. This is an interesting thing. My dad taught me years ago. I've listed 1 Peter 3, 7. He said, Jeff, he said, most of the time, your mother and I have some pretty bad arguments on Saturday night before I have to preach. I've noticed this. We don't fight all the time, but we have some of them on Saturday night. And he says, if I get up to preach the next day and I haven't addressed that, 
I don't care how many people tell me it was a good sermon. It does not have the power of God. There's something missing. And God is showing me that I need to take care of that. Because if I don't relate rightly, it grieves and it hinders. But it also, it can it can do something to my relationships. The way I treat someone. That's why 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives. Considerate, courteous. So that nothing may hinder your prayers. Now notice that when we don't relate rightly, it blocks our prayers. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 5. Look at how he says it uh, in these words from the message paraphrase. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you are on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. This is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering... You suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Now notice that he's saying, don't, don't keep worshiping. Don't keep acting like we're great between each other. If you're going to treat someone like that, take care of it. Don't let something block your worship or your prayers. Keep the pipe open between us. It's not that you lose your relationship with me, but you strain it. You block it. You do something. Now, notice one more thing here is that we hinder people still on the way from coming to Jesus. We hinder people still on the way from coming to Jesus. Romans 2.24, Paul is trying to explain something to people in, in, in the letter to the Romans. And look at what he says here. He says, the name of God is discredited by the Gentiles, people that don't yet believe in the Lord. The name of God is discredited by the Gentiles because of you. In other words, people are less interested in God because of the way that you and I are acting. Come on. He's saying, be careful. Colossians, a couple letters over from where we're studying right now, says, look, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. In other words, still tell the truth, but making the, you know, always, always looking for a way to make, you know, to relate to them rightly. And so it matters. There's a whole group of people we've been praying for that don't know the Lord yet in our community. And one of the ways they can tell whether or not Jesus has gotten his way with us is whether or not we're relating rightly. Here's one more positive reason, is that when we relate rightly, we're salt and light in the world. When we do relate rightly, we're salt and light in the world. Remember I told you that we have a calling? We have a purpose that Jesus saved us and kept us here and didn't take us straight to heaven for a reason? Why? Because he wants us to be a preservative, to, be, to, to bring seasoning and flavor to this world. He wants us to be, uh, bring light in the darkness. He wants there to be uh, opportunities for people to go, oh, that's what it looks like when God works in my life. He wants us to be those kind of people. Tertullian once wrote in his book, Apology, that the Romans, when they saw the Christians said, see how they love one another. 
The world is watching to see how we treat each other. It's not talking about just being nice. It's saying learning how to love even people that are different from us in the church. So again, those are some of the reasons. And I found those to be great reminders for me. But how, what are some basics? How do, we, how do we get to the place where we practice this each day? Well, here we go. Three basics to remember for relating rightly. First, the postures I choose matter to God. The postures I choose matter to God. What do I mean postures? I mean our demeanor. I mean our attitude. I, I mean our tone of voice. I, I mean the, the whole way that we carry ourselves. And sometimes in the Christian faith, people place so much emphasis on believing all the right things. The only problem is the way that they express it is all the wrong way. Friends, our way matters as much as our beliefs. Therefore, when Jesus came, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavily, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. So what are some of the postures mentioned here? Uh, again, Ephesians 4, 2, do you see what it says? It says, be completely humble and gentle. Jesus said, come to me because I'm humble and I'm gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Love is patient. Love bears all things. There it is. And then notice verse 32, if at the end of the chapter, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another. In other words, be moved by how someone else, what they're going through and forgiving each other. All these are postures. All of these are postures that you and I can choose. I have noticed that I can say the same thing in two different tones of voice. And it all depends on what I choose. So there's something in here that's kind of interesting. If you look at Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, I know I'm jumping around, but I want you just to see some of the things that stand out here. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Let me stop and say this. How I think will often determine how I treat people. I need to be made new in the attitude of my mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. There's this idea of put off, put on. Now, if this idea, it follows several times in the New Testament. And it's the idea, just like all of us got dressed this morning, it's this idea of putting on. All of you chose some clothes. Um, there may be a few exceptions here, but all of us chose the clothes we're wearing. It was a choice. Now, I, yesterday I was with a group of people that were 49 to 89. And I just said, how many, how many times in your life have you had to get dressed? And the answer was, every day. I said, you're 89 years old. Shouldn't you have stopped having to get dressed many years ago? I mean, you mastered it, didn't you? No, it's a daily thing. And in a similar way, you and I get to choose every day which postures, which attitudes, which ways we're going to relate to each other. So look at Colossians 3. Here's just one passage that we often look at in the New Testament. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, there's that chosen and calling again choosing and calling again. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
Make allowance for each other's faults. That doesn't mean you, you constantly excuse them, but you have to give room for the fact that we are human and we fall short. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of what, friends? One body. You are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now, yeah, a number of years ago, when I was asked to do weddings, uh, for several weddings, I got this idea that I was going to, they asked me to use this scripture. So I decided I'm going to get a little creative. So I started making t-shirts that had this. I think we've got a picture of it that I can show you here, uh, this picture. So I made these t-shirts and I would give one to the guy and one to the gal. And I'd say, okay. Everybody's happy today, but in a few months, you may be frustrated with each other every once in a while. And when that happens, I would recommend put these shirts on to remind each other of what Christ wants you to choose with each other. And a number of these couples sent me pictures where they're both wearing their shirts, looking very stylish. But one, even this last month, one of those couples said, we had to pull our shirts out this week. See, it's so daily. It's so daily. Is, has anybody got this all mastered yet? I don't. I've been working on this for over 40-some years, and I found that even this morning, I got down on my knees and said, Lord, I don't know who I'm going to encounter today. But I know my family, sometimes I tend to give them the leftovers of my energy. Show me how to relate rightly. By choosing the postures. So important. Second thing is notice this. The words I use build up or eat away our oneness. The words I use build up or eat away our oneness. If you look at verse 25, 29, and chapter 5, verse 4, look at how it talks about words. So verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Why? For we are all members of one body. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. No unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Chapter 5, verse 4, for of this you can be, excuse me, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. You notice words? The words I choose. Now, the verse that I've highlight there is verse 29. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Some of you heard me teach on this before, so you know what's coming next. Let no spew come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial. When I was in grocery business, working there for about four or five years in high school and college, I worked in the produce department. And I noticed that peaches and other soft fruit in the summers would get overripe and they would turn gross. And my brother decided to name that gross stuff on peaches and other fruit, spew. And here's what I remember. Spew is decay. When you and I say a word to someone, it touches their soul, it touches their heart, and it begins to eat away the good. But when you and I do not let that kind of decaying talk come out of our mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, I'm not talking about flattery now, Talk about genuine words that build up. 
Sometimes they're even challenging words, but they're loving words that are meant to help a person win. When you and I do that, it's huge. And friends, you and I have a choice about the words we use. I want to just stop and say something here as a pastor. There are times in any church when it's appropriate to disagree, have a concern, or question something. And this has certainly been one of those seasons. What I want to say is over and over and over again, the overwhelming majority of people in this church, like you, have emailed us or wrote us, and you have chosen humble words. And I can't thank you enough. It is so much easier, isn't it, to receive words when someone demonstrates a humble posture where you can tell they are specifically trying to measure their words carefully so that it has the potential to build up even when there's disagreement. I'm so thankful for you. Keep it up. It makes a difference. Notice this. Third, keep short accounts and make every effort to get right. Keep short accounts and make every effort to get right. Where do I get that? If you look at Ephesians 4.3, let's read it again in that first gray box. Would you read it with me? Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And then notice also uh, when it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Verse uh, you know, 27 Uh, excuse me, verse uh, 26. And then notice these verses in verses 31 and 32. Would you look at them with me? It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Um, Let me share this. So in case you think this message I'm preaching is for you and not for me, let me just get current. Last Sunday was a big weekend in my life and in my wife's life. The amount of pressure that we felt to share what we needed to share was bigger than most any moments I've had in my life. So building up to that, Uh, My wife and I, my wife is amazing. And so just the thought of her standing up here with me last Sunday, if you know my wife, she's introverted and she, I'd pick her all over again. But that pressure was building and I'm not making excuses, but Saturday we had an argument. It was just so beautiful. I thought, what a great pastor I am tomorrow. I'm going to stand before people and talk about how Jesus makes a difference in our lives. Now, here's what I want to say. We made things right before we ever stood up. We were not being phony. But we need to practice this just like you do. And here's the conviction is, is that if we let it go on and on and on and on, it eats away at the oneness. It All of a sudden, we just get more used to it. Well, we go, well, I can't help it. We make excuses, but no, the Bible says, don't do that. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not block your prayers like that. Do not be a terrible witness to the watching world. Come on, show out Christ, not because you feel like it, but because you know you're called to be the body of Christ to each other. And it made a huge difference. I want to I just say this. Jim Simbola shared this years ago. I've never forgotten it. 
Christians can do things that hold back the Spirit's work. Whenever we receive new members into the church, my final charge to them is never slander or gossip about another member. If you ever hear somebody talking about a person not present, if you ever hear a critical word about a pastor of the church or a choir member or an usher, we charge and authorize you to stop that person in their tracks. Say to them, excuse me, has Pastor Simbla hurt you and Usher hurt you? They'll apologize. Come with me right now to the pastor's office or I'll make an appointment for you. The pastor will bring whoever hurt you. And if necessary, they'll kneel before you and apologize. But we won't permit talking behind their backs, slander or gossip. He said this, we can't be going to a church service and calling on God, Lord, come in power, and then during the week be grieving the Holy Spirit by gossip and phone calls of all the things that kill the Spirit's power in churches. It's talking. And so therefore, this short account is so important. And let me just bring it home with two questions. Lord, is there a relationship I need to humbly repair? Lord, is there a relationship I need to humbly repair? I just, I think of Romans 12, 18. Here's another thing about keeping short accounts because this is the messy part. Sometimes you can make every attempt to get right with someone and they don't want to be right with you. But notice what Romans 12, 18 says. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone as far as as far as it depends on you. Can I lay my head in the pillow at night and say, God, I didn't do it perfectly, but I really tried to go with the right posture. I tried to choose words. I tried to give them an opportunity to share how it looked from their side. And they, they don't want peace right now. God, work in their lives for good. Is there a relationship? Second, Lord, help me love your body and build up someone today positive is, is so that the body of Christ may be built up. So every day I try and say, who's one person I can build up today? Who's one person that I can relate rightly to and just really love them? Show me, God. Is it someone that maybe no one else is noticing? Is it someone that's well-known in our church? Is it someone that tends to get no notice? What God, what is it? Show me. Now, here's what I want to end with before we take me in. I don't think I would be here today if I hadn't seen my parents' practices. My parents made all kinds of mistakes raising me, and they admitted it. But what happened is, is sometimes they did it with the wrong posture. Sometimes they used words that hurt me. Sometimes that happened. That happens in life. The difference is, is they came back often shortly afterwards and said, the way I talked to you was wrong. Those words, those were not the way Jesus wanted me to talk. And when they did that, it opened me up to God. So a number of years now, people have told me that one of the first times they visited our church, they found themselves moved or they found themselves even emotional, sometimes crying during the service. And they've said, well, why is that? And I believe it's because Cherry Hills, as imperfectly as we've endeavored, we have tried to relate rightly. And when we don't, we try and run back to that. I believe that's what keeps the grace of God flowing in our homes, in our church. That's what he wants for us. Thanks for joining us today. 
If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.